listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, everyone. So, you know, I love the Beatitudes, uh, although they, um, they disturb me just a little bit. Because Jesus is announcing these blessings, and uh, at the end of Matthew's gospel, he'll also announce warnings, but at least for Matthew, those are pretty far apart. Uh, When Luke lists the blessings, the Beatitudes, he lists the warnings right next to them, so it's like bless, 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 and then whoa, 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 (laughs) right? So you get them all together with Luke. Um, In Matthew, it's a little different. Jesus is starting off, at least Matthew's Jesus is starting off really soft and gentle, doesn't get to the warnings until at the end of the gospel. But when I hear who he is saying is blessed, it makes me wonder. Um, because Jesus is saying that people are blessed, but they don't sound very blessed. In fact, they kind of sound cursed. So I have um, you know, a fascination with film, and there are a few movies that I have watched over and over and over. Uh, One of them, one of my favorites, it might even be a cult classic, so you'll indulge me just for a minute, is The Princess Bride. And so it's a hilarious novel. It's also a very funny film. And uh, in it you have, uh, you know, Buttercup and her true love, Wesley. And then you have these three um, kind of villains, not the ultimate villains, not like... uh, uh, Prince um, Pumpernickel, or whatever his name is. But you have Vecini, and you have Indigo, and you have uh, Fesic, right? And I love their characters. And there's a, there's a kind of a collection of um, clips from the film that seem to come to mind every time I hear the Beatitudes out of Matthew's Gospel. When I hear Jesus says, blessed are the poor and blessed are the mournful, and blessed are the hunger and thirsty, I, I kind of feel like Indigo Montoya there. Uh, Jesus, you keep using this word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Because I know what it means to be blessed. Like, if I show up in my mailbox and kind of unexpectedly there's an envelope in there with some cash, I'm blessed. Right? If, if I get the day off, I'm blessed. If I, if I get a pay raise, I'm blessed. If I get a promotion, I'm blessed, right? Blessings are when there's abundance, not when there's lack. And so how are we supposed to understand Jesus' statements like blessed are the poor in spirit? Blessed are those who are mourning. I've mourned before. I've experienced loss, been overwhelmed with grief. I didn't feel very blessed. So there's a few ways, I guess, we can t- understand this, Right? It doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus is saying these people are blessed because they're experiencing these things, but rather they're blessed despite the fact that they're experiencing these things. They're blessed because Jesus is seeing the end of the story and he is announcing a blessing on them. Like he's saying they're blessed because he's the one who has the capacity to bless them. And he's saying... You're blessed if you're like this because you're going to have something else in the future. 
You're blessed if you're poor in spirit because you're going to receive the kingdom, right? You're blessed if you're mournful because your tears are going to be wiped away. You're blessed if you hunger and thirst for justice because your hunger and thirst will be filled. You're blessed if you are a peacemaker, right? Because you will be called the children of God. So the blessings are legitimate because Jesus is the blesser. The blessings are legitimate because Jesus is seeing, again, not just where they are, but where they will be. And he's the one who can get them there. There's another aspect of these blessings because typically when we think of the kingdom, when we think of following Christ, we don't necessarily think of all the hard times. Or in a typical kingdom, sometimes the people who really suffer, the marginalized, don't get to experience the goodness of the kingdom. But Jesus' blessings kind of flip things on their head. Those who would typically be excluded are here included. Not just included in the margins, but even moved to the center of the story where Jesus says, you are blessed. One of those lines that says, you know, blessed is the peacemaker. I want to be very careful how we kind of parse this out. Because peacemakers are those who are active. Like sometimes we think about peace maybe as non-action, but I think that's a misunderstanding. I think peacemakers can be non-violent, but I don't think they can be non-active, right? You can be a peacekeeper, I guess, kind of keeping the peace by just kind of keeping quiet, (laughs) right? So I see, I can imagine homes where um, a father comes in, he's had a bad day, you know, he's going to yell at the kids, he's going to kick the dog, right? And in order to keep the peace, we just all kind of um, try to get out of the way, right? That's not, that's not peacemaking, right? That's just avoiding conflict. I think making peace requires some kind of positive activity. It's love that addresses things. It, it speaks to the problem, and it seeks to resolve it. Right? It's not conflict avoidance, it's, it's conflict resolution, or at least an attempt at conflict resolution. Like, I think that's what peacemaking is. And it's the peacemakers that are blessed, not simply the peacekeepers. Uh, Ricky Cotton, who I think most of you know, um, a dear friend and mentor of mine, uh, he's, he says a lot of things in his, in his life that I've heard, and now I and others who have kind of enjoyed uh, Ricky's mentorship. We refer to them as Cotton's Proverbs. And, and one of Cotton's Proverbs is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be shot at from both sides. <laughs> <laughs> There's another one of these Beatitudes that really stands out to me today, particularly because in the lectionary, this passage of the Beatitudes was paired with the prophecy of Micah. And that is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they shall be filled. Now, a lot of translations will translate that, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The reason that's the case is because the word there in Greek that can be translated righteousness can equally be translated justice. And so, while we have two different words, they're kind of blending these ideas together. Perhaps a good translation might be just righteousness or righteous justice. 
it's not just the idea of some kind of moral purity. It's the idea of making things right in public. One of my favorite philosophers says that love is, or excuse me, tenderness is what love feels like in private, just like justice is what love looks like in public. I'm going to say that again for you because I think it's really good. Tenderness is what love feels like in private, just like justice is what love looks like in public. So this is what Micah, the prophet, says. There's a lot of things going on. And, there's, and we, we have this sense that God, or Israel did, had this sense that God wanted them to do certain things. But the prophet said, this is what the Lord requires of you. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Three things. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Now, you've already indulged me once by watching my you know, clip of one of my favorite films. If you would, indulge me one more time. There is an old campfire song that's a bit of a call and response. I'm going to date myself here a bit. You guys remember those old songs that we would sing and somebody would say a line and everybody else would respond? Like, I will call upon the Lord. You know that one? Or sing hallelujah. Right. Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Boy, he was, he was ready. Yeah. <laughs> he knows that one. Well, Micah 6, 8, there's three, there's three lines. The first two lines are call and response, and the third line we're supposed to sing in unison. But it's going to take a while for us to get there, maybe. But let's try it. So, I'll point to myself, and then I'll point to you when you repeat. So you repeat the first two lines. The third line you don't repeat, okay? So, he has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. Man, when I was in college, we would just sing that over and over and over. We really liked our praise and worship songs, let me tell you. And we would just, we would just get stuck in it, right? And it was great. It was a good time. Um, good, good, good time. And we'd sing that. And I think it is so important. We, do, we get this sense, right, um, of what the Lord requires of us. Those who hunger and thirst for justice are blessed, for they shall be filled. But the question comes, what is justice? And again, what, what, does, that, what does that look like? So I want to start with this comment. Too often, I think, even when justice or mercy or righteousness is discussed, um, we, it seems as though it's some kind of uh, catalog or cafeteria items. Well, I'll take two helpings of mercy and one of righteousness. It doesn't work quite that way, right? These things are integrated. They are entangled in our lives. That To be a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be embodied, to live in a particular place. Right? The theological term we use is incarnation. That means that God became flesh right? in the carnal. Carnal is flesh. right? And so sometimes we think of carnal as somehow evil. But if Jesus was the incarnal, right? if he was the incarnation, 
It's not that the flesh is evil. It's just what we are, right? And Jesus became, became like us. And I think what it requires of us now, if we're going to please God, what God requires of the mortal, of the human, right, is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. So if we could, if we could um, kind of differentiate those a bit, I think walking humbly with God is something that we regularly do. This is our personal relationships, our devotions, our commitment to prayer, to scripture reading, to singing, to um, church attendance, right? And so here we are. We're at church together. If you're, if you're watching online, you're, you're kind of a part of us kind of virtually. So that's something that we do on a regular basis. Uh, some of us a bit more regular than others. <laughs> but that's, you know, coming on a regular basis is good for us. And there's a rhythm to it that kind of will shape our lives and souls. It's not just that one particular service is going to be so wonderful, it's going to impact, it's going to change us forever. But if you keep coming and you keep coming and you keep coming, you'll have those great ones, but it's the regularity of it in your life, right, that's going to shape you and form you and keep you, right, when things are good and, it, and it's easy to forget God or when things are bad and you feel like you have to cry out to God, right? So a regular, regular practice, regular acknowledgement of God, regular prayer, regular church, church attendance, right? Regular scripture hearing or reading, that kind of regularity. The other is, is a little different than that, though. It's acts of mercy. And I think acts of mercy are something that we are also called to. An act of mercy might be giving somebody something to drink if they're thirsty or giving them something to eat if they're hungry or giving them some clothing if they lack that or helping them find shelter if they lack that or, or caring for them while they're sick or visiting while they're, while, them while they're in prison. These are acts of mercy. And frankly, acts of mercy are not optional for the Christian. This is what God requires of us to love mercy and to walk humbly. This is what it means to be Christian. But then there are also, there's this third piece, this kind of act, this kind of doing justice. And I think doing justice is, can differ, again, we can differentiate between it and the loving of mercy. And again, this is not either or, this is kind of both and, or both and and, right? Because there are three things to do, right? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. So justice has to do Speaking truth to power, justice has to do with kind of changing systems. It has to do with kind of speaking to the, the larger communal reality. Um, and perhaps you've experienced some of this in your life, or you've been encouraged, you know, to write your senator or write your congressman or write your governor or, you know, Facebook message your mayor, or, you know, whatever the case is, is to kind of reach, to reach out and to care not just about the immediate needs, although we do want to always care for the immediate needs, not to meet the immediate needs as best we can, and we should always be doing that, but then also seeking to change the situation so that the brokenness that's creating those needs might also be addressed. A couple of examples that might help us um, see the difference between the two. The story of the Good Samaritan, I think, is a perfect example of an act of mercy. We have someone who is hurt, right? Uh, an evil has been done to them. 
And now we have this man who's from a different culture, he's from a different ethnicity, and catch this, he's from a different religion. And yet, he's the one that Jesus kind of presents to us as the ideal example. Why? Because he did acts of mercy. He cared for the guy's health care needs, right? He cared for the guy's housing needs. And he provided for him in the midst of his trouble. I think the, the parable of the Good Samaritan is kind of a perfect example of what acts of mercy look like. And again, I think, unless I'm misunderstanding uh, Micah and my favorite old campfire song, loving mercy, acting mercifully, is what we are all called to do, right? Sometimes I've, I've heard things in the past, and we're, we're kind of, uh, we've become so judgmental. Like, we need to ask, you know, someone a question like, if I give you 10 bucks, what are you going to do with it? Well, they're probably hungry and cold, you know? And it's not really up to me what, what they do with it. I'm, I'm doing an act of mercy, right, by providing it. Don't, don't try and play the role of judge. We have a judge. His name is Jesus Christ. He's really good. He's the best. You don't have to be the judge. Leave the judging to, to Christ and you engage in acts of mercy. The other example, maybe one of justice, would be Moses as he spoke to Pharaoh. When Moses went into Pharaoh, he, he didn't say, hey, the Hebrew slaves, they could really use a water break. <laughs> right? they, could, they could use some time off. Right? They could use better working conditions. Moses also didn't show up at the places uh, where the slaves were were building things for Pharaoh and provide for their kind of immediate needs. But rather, he was speaking truth to power. He was speaking to Pharaoh and he was saying, God says, let my people go. He's looking to kind of end the slavery, which would have been the cause of the lack, the lack of food, the lack of care, the lack of provision, right? And I think all of those things are quintessentially Christian acts. He has shown you, human being, what the Lord requires of you to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. So the question then comes, well, how might we do that? Well, a couple of ways. First is, I think we have to create some margin in our lives. You know, this last song that we sang even, even those lines that, that talked about um, shaking our tradition and kind of overcoming our religion, we talked about it this week, whether or not we should even sing such a song, because we actually are very pro-tradition around here. I don't know if you realize that or not. You can tell from me. And, and we're really pro-religion, right? We, we are a part of a religion. It's called Christianity. It's those who follow Jesus Christ. We're... we're, we're unabashedly Christian. So, so what is it that we're after? Well, to quote Barbara Brown Taylor, one of my favorite kind of Christian authors, she's a, a pastor in Georgia, and she teaches at a college there. She says, if I ever had to choose between my neighbor and my religion, it would be an easy choice, because I'd choose my neighbor. 
Because God never told me to love my religion. You see, our religion is a good thing, and so is our tradition, because it helps shape us. It guides us into the way we are to be. It's like guardrails that keep us from running off. But the guardrails are not the point of where we're going. The guardrails are great, especially if things go bad, right? Uh, Especially if you're driving through the mountains, (laughs) right? If you end up taking a wrong turn, which sometimes we do, we need something that keeps us from actually hurting ourselves, and that's what the guardrails do. But they're not, again, they're not the point. The point is the road and where the road's taking us, right? The journey with God is what it's all about. And so, we always choose love, and we always choose mercy, and we always choose justice, which means we stand with those in the margins. Now, our lives are so filled that a lot of us, and myself included, don't have a lot of margin. Like, we wear busyness as though it's an accomplishment. How are you? I'm busy. You should see my calendar. Look at my Google calendar. It's, almost, it's filled from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., and that's just on nights that I'm not also doing something else. I must be good at being human. I must be important. I must be accomplished because my life is full. Well, one of the commandments, one of like the commandments, right, is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. There's something about being content and about, about kind of living within our means, both in terms of not just our money, but also in terms of our, our time, also in terms of our attention. Because when we have margin in our lives, when we have a little extra time that is kind of unscheduled, and we have a little extra uh, money that hasn't been uh, allocated somewhere, and we have you know, um, this kind of space in our lives. It's from that space out of which we can engage in acts of justice and acts of mercy. It's out of that space where we can kind of give and fulfill this call to be um, joyous, generous, um, consistent, healthy contributors to our families, to our communities, to our church. And again, if there's no margin, it's impossible to stand with the marginalized because we have no space for it. And so practicing some constraint and um, appreciating uh, the goodness and the beauty and the simplicity of life Um, is a healthy thing, and it's a good step forward. These practices um, here on the screen, I just want to make sure you you see that. So create margin in your life for the purpose of giving it away. (laughs) Create margin in your life for the purpose of giving that margin away. Uh, Join the decluttering group (laughs) and, and give things away. Like, we have, we have a new group. Um, we've been talking about it. It starts today. You'll hear more about it um, when um, Mikkel and, and Lex has come to share with us about how we might be involved this week. But that's one way that you can do it, right? Um, another, lower the bottom line 
so you can give more. And we'd all like to do it, right? We all want to be blessed. But it's kind of starting with ourselves and, and um, not overextending ourselves is a good way. And schedule free time. Schedule free time so that you can give it away. I'm not going to schedule anything for Saturday morning. Maybe somebody might need me. And then I'll be available. I'm not going to schedule anything for Thursday night. Because I might have a friend that calls and says, hey, do you want to grab dinner? Well, if I don't have the time or if I'm already scheduled, I have to say to my friend, sorry, I'm busy. We have to change our mindset. Stop saying I'm busy as though you've accomplished something. If you're too busy, it just means you're kind of out of control. And if you give that to God, like you give everything else, your, your, your sin, your cares, your health, your family, just give it all to God. And let God kind of sort those things out. And I think it'll be a great way to live. Not just having faith, but beyond faith. Being shaped and being discipled into the very image and likeness of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.